Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. Thanks for tuning in to Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. It's Safety Month. Today, we'll be hearing about how workplace safety tips work well at home. We'll also be hearing from an infectious disease expert from the University of North Carolina on the details of the new Combat COVID website. If you're looking for a delicious trip to take, you can head to the Pennsylvania Farm Show Complex and Expo Center next weekend. All the delicious details of their upcoming Pennsylvania Summer Food Fest will be here. And we're going to start off today by introducing you to Evelyn Lyons. She's nine, and she's already becoming known as the Bird Whisperer. Evelyn and her mom, Linda Ured, are here to tell us about Evelyn's hand-tamed foster birds and more. Tell me a little bit about you. I understand from all of the publicity that you've been receiving, you're quite the celebrity. Is that true? Yeah. And what makes you such a celebrity? What about all these birds? How many do you have? I have 55. Wow. Because all we two finches. That's a lot of birds. Do each of them have a name? Yes. Do you have a favorite name? Polly. Evelyn, what made you get interested in taking care of birds? So when she was younger, um, just like a regular kid, we went to a pet store. We were going to get her a pet, and she's seen a little girl banging on a glass for um, her parakeets. So she had a fish. We had to bring the parakeets home. Um, and then she wanted, so that was her way of rescuing, she said, from, you know, the stores and all that. So I told her I had a friend who ran a rescue. Maybe we'll, um, we'll see if she has any birds. And when Evelyn went to go choose a bird, you know, she, um, she seen how well she was working with them that she gave her three to foster herself. And then, you know, there are nippy little birds that bit me and everybody in the house. But, um, within like 24 hours, she had the birds nice and calm and, you know, sitting on her hand and playing. So it started from parakeets and now she's, you know, working her way up the line and she's handled on um, like the smaller macaws. So, uh, like cockatoos and the bigger birds. So that's where it basically started just with three little parakeets. Where did you find all these birds? I rescued the bird. Does somebody get in touch with you and tell you that they have a bird? People, um, tell me that if they can't take care of, they're a bird anymore and they give it 
Me. You do have the yeah. backing of the organization that behind you because you're just technically a foster home, correct? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, we come in and we uh, we babysit the birds, basically. We take care of them, make sure they're fed and watered, have everything they need. And then we do have our open houses so people can come and, you know, check out the birds. But at the end, it's the rescue that has a final say. You know, if there's a problem with any of the birds or you know, they need vetting, then it would be the rescue that would step in and say, hey, you know, this is what we're going to do to help the bird. And we're basically just learning from them. Who takes care of all those birds? Me. What's a typical day for you when you first get out of bed? What do you do first for your birds? I give them fresh food and water. And what else do you have to do? Some messy stuff too, right? Give them new paper. We started off with 55 and she homed 30 of them. So we have about about 20, maybe 22, 23 birds left um, just right here in her foster home that she takes care of every day. Yeah, she gets up in the morning and she takes care of, you know, all the foster birds, feeds and waters them, scrubs their cages, gives them baths, like everything that needs to be done for the day. And I mean, we all help her. We don't make her do it all, all by herself. <laughs> But um, she mostly does a lot of the hand taming. I don't know how, but the birds take to her better than anybody. What do you do when it comes to all of the things that you need for the birds? Like you said, you have you feed them and you have to get them new paper for their cages. How old are you, Evelyn? Nine. So I don't think at the age of nine, you do have a job. So how do you get the money in order to take care of all these birds? People um, give us money so so we can babysit their birds. You do a lot of fundraisers, but if someone would like to help you out, is there a way that they can do that? We have a bunch of different options. Um, I know Village Pets in Hanover and in Luzerne, they have a donation box set up for her. Um, Petco in Kingston or Edwardsville, they're, um, they, they also take donations. You know, people will go in and purchase a product and leave it in the box. And then Evelyn, like once a week or whatever, she'll go and pick them up. Um, also, we do have online fundraisers for her. Um, people, sometimes they uh, she has an Amazon wish list on her wall, and they send her the products that she posts up there um, right from her page. So I guess there's many different ways. Do you have people come by the house? Yeah. And what do they do? They They get to look at your birds? Mm-hmm. We have them every Saturday from 1 to 4 p.m. So we're located in Plymouth on uh, Schweitzer Lane. I usually post the information up on Evelyn's her page. She has a personal page with um, the details. And- if someone is going to adopt one of the birds, what would be the criteria? Basically, it runs like the SPCA and other rescues. The bigger, larger birds like the macaws and the parrots, and you'd have to go through an application approval. You fill out the app online and you could do that through our main rescue, which is My House of Wings Parrot Rescue. And then they, um, they're subject to approval. And then once you're approved, you would be able to set up the date and time when you could come and pick up your bird. But what else do you tell them, Evelyn, when, they're, when they come and they want to adopt a certain bird? I know if you're going to adopt a puppy or a kitten, that the places will ask a lot of questions. What are some of the questions that you ask? Would one of the questions you ask be, do you know anything about this bird? Yeah. 
And if they said no, what would happen? I would say they can't have a bird because they don't know anything about them. So what would you do? Um, Because one of the other things is, especially when you're adopting a pet, sometimes you might have to go to the house and check things out. Do you actually do things like that? Yeah. And what do people say? I make sure um, the house don't have, like they don't smoke and they don't have cats and dogs. Okay. Beforehand, usually what Evelyn does is have the open houses, have people come in and meet and greet them just to see if they bond. Uh, we like to make sure we have a good match and they know a little bit about the bird before they go off and, uh, you know, try to bring them home because most often they'll just end up coming back if they don't understand the breed very well. When a bird is going to be adopted, is there any price involved for an adoption fee? There is an adoption fee. Every breed of bird obviously has like a different a different fee. Like the bigger birds are more, um, they all leave here with, like Evelyn calls it, a little kit to go with her, like a little care package with their cage if they need it. She gives them food, supplies, toys, everything for the cage. So it's kind of a little package deal. We have starter kits for, you know, the new bird parents when they want to get like maybe a parakeet or something. So she has like little parakeet starter kits, she calls them. So they don't just get the bird, they get the whole deal. And then if they ever have a problem, they always come back and they usually just speak with Evelyn because she handles all that. Well, she is one impressive nine-year-old mom. I'll tell you. Thank you. She keeps us busy. (laughs) She started doing her own house visits to check, like, make sure the houses are set up well enough for the bird, make sure everything's safe in the house. She does. She's told people no in the past where they couldn't have a bird. And, you know, they kind of get a little offended because she's nine. But um, it's mostly if, you know, she goes through a checklist and if she sees, you know, there's too many items there, that's dangerous. She'll tell them. That gives them a chance to straighten it out. And then, you know, she'll uh, go back in and do what she has to. You know, sometimes they keep them by windows or drafts or heaters. And she has to just tell them, you know, that that's not good for the bird. She's a little tough cookie when it comes to them. What's the first thing that you want them to know about? Are they fun? Yeah. What do they do that's fun? They dance. They sing. And how do they do that? Did you teach them? Mm-hmm. Yes. Do some of them talk? Yes. Do you have parrots? Yes. And what do they say? Polly want a cracker. So when they come to see you, what advice do you give them? Do you just say, oh, this is a nice bird. You'd like them and hand them over and take them home? Or are there some things that you tell them before you would let somebody take one of your birds? Some of them bite. And what do you do about a bird that bites? You say don't bite and you put them back in their cage. And they say, okay. So if she had somebody offer her $3,000 for her poly pickles and uh, she's like, nope, I don't care about the money. I want them to go to a good home. So, well, she, uh, yeah, she told me about Polly Pickles and yeah, she, yeah. she said, she said he was her favorite. So he's not going anywhere. He's not. Yeah, you couldn't give her $2 million. Like, <laughs> she wouldn't let go of that bird. Anything else that you yeah. would like everyone to know about the uh, bird whisperer? You know, she's, she's a kid. She's still learning. She's got a lot to learn, but I've never seen a more passionate and more determined child when it comes to this. Um, constantly asking questions to different rescues. She'll go to stores and question them. So, I mean, even though, you know, she's a little kid, she, we, we kind of just try to support her through it because this is what she 
really loves to do and wants to do. The, the hardest part that she got sometimes is a little bit of criticism because she's young. Mm. But um, we tell them, listen, you know, she could be doing other things and this is what she wants to learn. Well, good for her. And you you are an awesome mom because I don't know how I would feel about having 55 birds. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, you know what? She hasn't trained. I don't know. But when the lights go out at night, they go to bed. When the sun comes up, they get up. So maybe sometimes we'll have one or two of them, you know, that try to challenge us. But just like kids, you know, we come up with a plan and. She kind of keeps them on routine, just like you do kids, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that is wonderful. I'm I'm so impressed. Every time I see her come up, I'm so impressed. She knows what she's doing, and that's wonderful. She wants to one day own her own rescue. So this is like her in training, you, should, you could say. So if anyone has a very large property in the future <laughs> that they think they'd like to get, they'd like yes, to hand over. Absolutely. <laughs> that would be great. Right now we, we started with our whole living room and now half of my furniture is in it. I think it's going to be on the porch soon because it's all birds. So, so, You're an amazing yeah. mom, I'll tell you. <laughs> we try. <laughs> try to support the kids the best we can. Yes, well, you better <laughs> mention the other two. All the time, all the time. I have one that just graduated. Um, Justin has Asperger's. Usually they go to school until they're 21. He skipped 11th grade and graduated at 17. So he's doing really well. Um, already going to college for game design and the things that he wants to do. And then, of course, we have Junior Fire Chief Brian Lyons. And I don't think I have to say much. He's always getting into something with, you know, events and raising money for whatever he wants to do that day, I guess. <laughs> well, I think it's so. awesome because these kids already have great resumes and everything that they've done is positive. So how can you beat that? You can't. I'm proud. Really, I'm proud. And I got lucky. Um, you know, I got lucky with them. So they do keep me busy and tired, but, you know, I'm glad it's in a positive way. So I can't complain. Thanks once again to Evelyn Lyons and her mom, Linda Ured, here to tell us about Evelyn's hand-tamed foster birds and more. That's her Facebook page if you'd like to find out more. Or you can also go to myhouseofwings.net. Now, don't go away. When we come back, the delicious details about Pennsylvania Summer Food Fest happening at the Pennsylvania Farm Show Complex and Expo Center next weekend, here on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. Coming up next weekend, the Pennsylvania Farm Show Complex and Expo Center will host the Pennsylvania Summer Food Fest. They have a great menu of foods available, and Sharon Myers, Executive Director of the Pennsylvania Farm Show Complex and Expo Center, is here to tempt us with all the details. How are things going there at the Pennsylvania Farm Show Complex and Expo Center? Getting a little crowded now, Sharon? We are very excited. We are open and starting to hold events again, and people are thrilled to be coming back to visit us. Well, that's why when I saw this cross my email about this awesome event that I'm not going to say a word, I'm just going to let you invite everybody to the Farm Show Complex coming up for food. 
What's better than that? That's for sure. Everybody loves to come see us for food. It'll be our third food fest. We had one in the, one in the fall, one uh, this spring, and then this is the summer food fest. And we started it last year simply because, obviously, due to COVID, with many things in the world, we weren't able to operate as normal. We just felt a real need to get people back together and be able to have them come see us and get a taste of that farm show food. We did farm show virtually in January of 21, and this was just a real great opportunity to get them to get their favorite farm show milkshake or donut and just come see some of the old friends again. Well, that's what piqued my interest, because here in Northeast Pennsylvania, we do like our food. And there are so many things that are happening here. But I thought, especially now with so many more people getting out after the last year where they haven't been able to. But I thought it's not that far to drive to Harrisburg to the farm show complex. Sharon, entice us. What makes us drive down Interstate 81 to Harrisburg and enjoy the wonderful Summer Food Festival? Well, you know, one of the great things about the Farm Show Complex in general is definitely its location. We're within a three-hour drive of like 60% of the East Coast population or some, some crazy number. I forget the statistics. But yeah, we're easy. We're right off 81. We're not too far from the Turnpike. You can come right up 83. We're close to Harrisburg, but we sit right on the edge of the city. So um, it's very, very easy to get to. The Food Fest has free parking, so there's no need to worry about having to pay to park. And um, the one thing we're doing different this time is that we are going to have the event inside. It's going to be inside the Giant Expo Center. And you can't miss it because it has Giant on the wall. Giant is one of our sponsors. We did that because, of course, it's air-conditioned and it's July. So we wanted to make sure that we were meeting people's needs. And if it's hot outside, you can come on inside, get your favorite farm show food. We have a number of the vendors that are typically at farm show that will be participating, not all, but a nice variety. We do have the Pennsylvania Dairymen's Association, which they'll have their famous vanilla and chocolate milkshakes. We have the American Mushroom Institute. They will be selling their blended burger, which is fantastic if you haven't had it. It's 30% mushroom and 70% beef. If you're trying to watch your summer weight a little bit, it's a really good nutritional option. And then they also have their fried mushrooms. Now, a lot of people have been confused because when you come there, you won't see the typical farm show booth setup that you see inside the complex in January. The potato growers as well, the Pennsylvania Potato Cooperative, will be there. They'll have a standalone booth for their donuts. They're very famous potato donuts. But then their French fries will be sold in uh, Snyder's concession stand. So as I started to say earlier, the mushrooms and the potatoes will actually be in a concession trailer. And so when people came last time, they were like, oh, it's just, you know, it's concession food. Well, it's not really. It is actually the Pennsylvania Potato Cooperative uh, potatoes and then also the Mushroom Institute's blended burgers and the fried mushrooms. They're going to be there. And along with those, you can get some of your favorite fair food. Again, Snyder's will be there and they're going to have a whole list of, you know, anything from funnel cakes to pizza to their famous sausage. They sell a great Pennsylvania sausage. And um, we'll also have Nana Cookies there who will be selling their homemade cookies. And then Sherry's Crab Cakes is going to be joining us this time, which is the first time they've joined us. And of course, they'll have their crab cakes. I'm starving. You're, oh my gosh. And we're not even down the first row yet. No. And in addition to the food, you can come and get it to eat. First of all, you can stay and eat this time. In the past, we've asked you to come get it and then go. We will actually have seating areas set up for people to come and enjoy their food there. 
which is great because you get something and you decide you want something else. You can just go get back in line and get another, you know, try something else. So it gives you the opportunity to get a variety of different food to sample. Also, this time we are going to have the PA Preferred Marketplace vendors. And this is where I spend a ton of time. I, I actually work the weekend of the show for sure. But I will definitely stock up on my blind spot nut butters. They have all kinds of, if you're a peanut butter fan or just a nut butter fan, if you have a necessarily peanut butter, but a nut butter fan, they have such a great variety of nut butters. You can get, they have one with espresso in it. They have um, one that today is like the espresso. Yes. Yes. It's it's a peanut butter with espresso in it, you know, ground espresso beans. You have your coffee and your peanut butter at the same time. Sharon, you are just tempting me. I can see the cars piling up on 81, heading all their way down. Now you have to explain to me, what's a stroopy? A stroopy is a, it's a German, like a German strudel. It's a little, but it's not really a strudel. It's kind of flat. It kind of reminds me of the old-fashioned ice cream sandwiches where they were like waffle and ice cream, but the stroopy is, is flat. It's almost like a crepe, but it looks more like a waffle. I always have to ask, especially when, when people around this time of the year are going out to so many bazaars and festivals and things, is it all cash or do they take credit? How does that work? Most of the vendors do take credit. In fact, we've seen definitely a change in past habits since covid Again, people are trying to do touchless as possible. So, yeah, almost every vendor there will take credit cards. Most of them prefer it at this point. And go back to those delicious milkshakes. They are just, I know that the Dairyman's milkshakes sometimes make their way around. I haven't been able to run across one yet. So if you can shoot one up this way, that would be awesome. But they are, they are statewide. They're wonderful. They are, you know, the Dairyman Association is such an amazing group of people and they definitely took the word pivot and absolutely did that in 2020 and 2021. They knew they had to. Our food court vendors use their funds that they generate at Farm Show for a number of their specific initiatives, education, research, scholarships, and so when you when you take Farm Show away, they're not able to generate those monies and the groups that they support then don't get those monies. So, you know, a lot of the groups have taken it very seriously to try to make sure that they're able to make up that, that funding some other way. And this was a way for them to help do that. They certainly have made their mark. And can you explain a little bit about the Ag Explorer? What exactly happens there? So at the annual farm show, um, we have anywhere between 25 and 30 Ag Explorer stations. And what an Ag Explorer station is, it's a station where, first of all, it's like a, it's a map and kids can, it, they help them, it helps them get around the building to find out where they can learn about goats and where can they learn about potatoes and where they can learn about, you know, all different things that are involved in agriculture. What we did was we actually invited them to come to the food fest this time. We have we only have about four. The list seems to be growing. We got another call today, so you can come get your food and then walk over to one of the ag explore stations and learn a little bit about Pennsylvania agriculture. I mean, you obviously you can't eat your food if you see, if you don't know about agriculture. That's where it all comes from, right? So it'll give them it gives the ag explore an opportunity to get to talk to some people again, and it'll give the the adults, the children, you know, people of all all ages, the opportunity to come and talk to the ag explorers and learn something about agriculture. Just going on to, and it is farmshow.pa.gov, correct? It is, farmshow.pa.gov. 
ChristianHeritageRadio.com. You had mentioned one of the groups that were also going to be there, PA Preferred and Marketplace Vendors. Can you explain a little bit more about those as well? Sure, yeah. So the PA Preferred Marketplace, again, is a section of Farm Show where the vendors that are in that particular section have to be qualified as PA Preferred vendors. They're actually designated by a specific marketing brand. And it just means that a certain percentage of their product is actually made, grown in Pennsylvania. We want to, obviously being part of the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture, we want to help promote as much Pennsylvania agriculture as we possibly can. So the PA Preferred Marketplace vendors, one of which I mentioned was the the Blind Spot Nut Butters. We also have Christine Mazer Company. Uh, She has some awesome dips and sauces. Um, We have Hillbilly Jerky. You can't come to farm show without getting your jerky. We have, again, Stroopies, Tasty tasty Teas, which is just that. It's different varieties of teas. Whiskey Hollow Maple. So, again, one of the things that I missed most this past farm show was not being able to stock up on my maple syrup. I get all my my year supply of maple syrup and my year supply of honey at the farm show every year. So, having the maple group come to the food fest allowed me to get my maple syrup for the year. And they'll be there again, again this time. So the vendors that are in that area, you can shop and stock up and take it home, make it another time, or can eat there with it. Or, you know, they make great gifts too. Lots of people come. And again, the nut butters, um, I bought 10 or 15 at the last food fest. And what? Then, yeah, I did. How yeah, I mean, big are they? Well, I don't have a jar in front of me. I want it like a, a small size of a peanut butter jar. But you can give them away as gifts. Like I had, you know, a baby shower I was going to, and I had a bridal shower and a wedding. And, you know, I like to buy the PA preferred items. I mean, I work at the farm show complex, right? So people expect, you know, well, what are you, you, know, you going to get me from farm show? So I buy a lot of my um, PA preferred products and then just keep them. And then when I need a gift, I wrap up a nice little gift basket and I can give them away or buy need a snack, I can eat one as well. Right now, we just want to alert that if you're going for the nut butters, make sure you get there before Sharon because they might be all gone. Exactly. Just, it's amazing. The variety is amazing. And if you have a peanut allergy, you know, again, they have nut butters and they have seed butters as well. So you don't have to buy something with peanuts in it. It's, it's not time yet, but the Pennsylvania Farm Show is scheduled this year, correct? It is. Yeah, we're very excited. January eighth to the fifteenth, twenty twenty two. Don't tell me anymore because it's we don't we don't want to we don't want to spoil any surprises or anything like that. But we just want everyone to know, Sharon. Is there anything that we've haven't asked, haven't touched about? You've already tempted my taste buds more than they've been tempted in quite a while. So, but if you want to do it again, go ahead. Is there anything we've missed? Well, I would just say that, you know, the the event runs Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Again, you can come and get your food, sit down, relax. We also have a a vendor there this year called Cheers to You, and they actually sell beer, wine, and mixed drinks. So if you wanted to get yourself a sausage sandwich and and a Pennsylvania beer, you could do that. And then, you know, again, get your, your great PA preferred products, take them home, and um, and then you can try, you know, see what you like. And then come back in January and buy it all over again. Sounds like a plan. What a delight. Thank you so much. And hopefully you'll come back and tell us more about some of the events that are coming up, whether it's the summer or the fall or into the new year. We would love that anytime. We would absolutely love to just sing the praises of all the great events we have at the Pennsylvania Farm Show Complex and Expo Center. 
Tempting details from Sharon Myers, executive director of the Pennsylvania Farm Show Complex and Expo Center on the upcoming Pennsylvania Summer Food Fest that's happening next weekend. And if you would like to find out more, you can always check out farmshow.pa.gov. Coming up next, we're going to learn about the new website, Combat COVID, and the infectious disease expert from the University of North Carolina, Dr. David Wool, says they could use your help. You'll find out how on Special Edition. Next on Special Edition, we're going to talk about the new website, Combat COVID. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services created this one-stop resource to help individuals and healthcare providers in the fight against COVID-19. People can visit the website to learn about clinical trials and if they may be eligible to join one. To give us all the details on that, we welcome Dr. David Wohl, who is an infectious disease expert at the University of North Carolina. Let's have you give us a little bit of what exactly is Combat COVID and where can people find out about it? And then we can get into some more of the details of exactly what it does. Right. So Combat COVID is an initiative funded by the federal government to find treatment for COVID-19. We hear a lot about vaccination and prevention, but there were over 15,000 new cases of COVID-19 diagnosed in the U.S. just in the last two weeks alone. That's 15,000 people who need medicine to treat their COVID-19. So Combat COVID is an effort to identify safe and really effective medicines that can work to treat COVID-19. So what we have so far, the vaccines that we've been talking about, that's not it. You're talking about something totally different? Right. Hand in glove. We need vaccines to prevent infection. So that's our first line of defense. But for people who do get infected, either because they didn't take the vaccine, they didn't have a chance to get it, it wasn't accessible, they decided not to, or they took it, but they're a breakthrough case which doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. What do we offer those people? We need to be able to find therapies that we can give to people. There's many cases that are occurring in the United States, as mentioned, and across the world. So the world needs medicines to treat COVID-19. When someone is diagnosed, what are they getting now? Right. So by and large, they're told to take Tylenol and, you know, get some rest. There are some therapies that are authorized by the government. They're infusions. You have to get to an infusion center. You have to get hooked up to an IV, hooked up for an hour, and then watch for an hour. They're very inconvenient, and they're under authorization, but they haven't been approved. There's only one approved medicine right now to treat COVID-19. That's for people who are hospitalized. So those who are not hospitalized, we really don't have very much that's convenient and easy for them to take. Well, then what exactly are you looking at when we talk about going to the website Combat COVID? Is it something new? Is it something that's already being developed? Is it a stronger form of Tylenol? Yeah, so really good question. So I think most people are familiar with the vaccine trials, right? So people were on the edge of their seats to find out what did the Moderna trial show? What did the Pfizer trial show? What about Johnson & Johnson and their study? Combat COVID is a host of studies. Like 
our menu of studies that are looking at people at different stages of COVID-19 from initial diagnosis, I just found out I'm COVID-19 positive and I don't feel well, all the way through the hospital and people who are sick in the hospital for medicines for them. And it's a series of different clinical research studies identifying promising medicines and then testing them to make sure they work and they're safe. So if people go to combatcovid.hhs.gov or riseabovecovid.org, riseabovecovid.org will introduce you to a study for people who are not in the hospital. Combatcovid.hhs.gov shows you all the different studies that are available, both outpatient and inpatient. So to be clear, these are studies. These are studies that will help us identify which among many different drugs that are being tested do what we need them to do. So if someone is at this point hearing this and they're saying, well, I had COVID back in whenever and I was diagnosed with it and it ran its course and now would that be someone that would be involved in these clinical trials? They wouldn't be involved in the clinical trial, but I would hope that person, if a loved one, a friend, a coworker gets diagnosed with COVID-19 would say, hey, I heard that the government, our tax dollars, is being used to identify and find new therapies, therapies that are effective against COVID-19. You should check it out because that way you can get into the study and maybe it can help you and other people. That's the idea. We've got to spread the word. Again, vaccines are fantastic, but we didn't get to vaccines overnight. It took research exactly like this, well-done, rigorous studies to find those effective vaccines that have made the difference. We need to get that last mile. We need not only prevention, but we also need treatment. Because right now, like you said, there's really not a whole lot that people can do when they first are diagnosed with COVID-19. And I know people who've gotten diagnosed and they're like, well, what can I do? I'm worried. I have risk factors. I'm overweight or I have asthma. What can I take? And unfortunately, the list is too short right now. So who are you looking for? to participate in the trials, someone who's been recently diagnosed, someone who had COVID, uh, and how would they get involved? Right, exactly. People who are recently diagnosed, people who are within days of getting diagnosed with COVID-19, that's the opportunity. If we wait too long, it's true for any infection, right, Paul? I mean, if, if you get pneumonia, you don't want a treatment to be taken two weeks later. So this is the same sort of idea. The sooner people find out they're COVID-19 positive and they have symptoms, go to the website, combatcovid.hhs.gov, and you can find a clinical trial. Riseabovecovid.org, that's one that's great for people who are just diagnosed and they're not in the hospital. And then you can find on-ramps to the study, including 24-hour-a-day call centers, English and in Spanish. You call and they find a site near you. That's my next question. Uh, here we are in Northeast Pennsylvania, and I don't remember hearing anything about anything like that locally. So how would someone in a community such as ours be able to get involved? Is it something that you would have to go to, travel? How does all that work? Yeah, so we have well over 100 sites across the United States and now have expanded internationally even. So the chances are, especially if you're in, you know, where you are in Pennsylvania, you're not too far away 
from a clinical research site that's offering the study. What's nice about the website is that they show you maps of where the study is taking place. So yeah, for sure, people should go on the website, they should call the number, and then there's operators 24 hours a day that can hook you up with a local site where they can talk to you about what's involved, they can tell you the details, they can help you even with transportation to get there. We really have to pull out all the stuff. This is something you know, that we just can't you know, wait and we'll find an answer in five years. This is really a massive effort. And I think everyone listening can understand prevention's great. But what about the people who fall through that? Don't we need a safety net, a treatment safety net? And that's what we're talking about here. We need to have medicines that prevent people from getting hospitalized, that can get your symptoms gone, that can get you back to work, that can prevent you from shedding the virus to others around you. We don't really have that right now. And I think we have to do a better job, but it's going to take all of us working together. If you're recently diagnosed with COVID-19 or you, you become recently diagnosed in the future, God forbid, think about this. Remember this. There are studies that are available that can get you access to really promising treatment. What happens if someone gets involved in a clinical trial? How does that work? Yeah, you know, so it's really interesting. Uh, some people really like the attention that they get in a clinical trial because people are watching over you. There's a lot of contact and communication. There are visits, but we try to minimize those visits. But there's only a few that you have to make at a clinic where they're doing the clinical study. Every clinical study involves some sort of questioning. This clinical study involves taking some blood and getting a treatment. And there's different treatments that we're studying. And a really nice part about this, these kinds of studies are as a promising therapy becomes available, it's, it's introduced into the study. And we can study that. If another drug comes available that looks really good from a different source, we can introduce that to the study. So it's not just a one-on-one -on -one boxing match between this drug and that drug. We have a platform where we can actually study different therapies as they become available. This is something that, that was developed for the cancer treatment model. So in cancer studies, they often do the same sort of thing of introducing different chemotherapies to find out what works. So we've taken a page out of a book that's been written long ago to try to come up with treatments for COVID-19. So is it a little bit of work? Yeah, people got to show up to the site, answer questions, um, you know, be examined, but you get really closely monitored. And I think that's a benefit of being in some of these studies. I would think so because, again, they're watching you. So I, I don't know exactly what the word would be, but I'll just say, is it safe? Yeah, so that's what we've got to do is keep things safe. And the kinds of research that is done, federally funded research, NIH-sponsored research, the research that we've seen done with the vaccines, really rigorous, really safe. So, you know, there's lots and lots and lots of points along the way where we're monitoring blood work, we're monitoring people's physical examinations, how they feel. So, right. And to get to the point of being studied in these trials, the drug has to be proven to be safe in a small number of people and animals in the laboratory. So really, we're looking at very promising therapies. Anything that anyone takes that's prescribed by a clinician has gone through this process. So somebody had to be there to develop that new cancer therapy, to develop that medicine for flu, to develop the medicine for diabetes. People were in clinical trials just like that to get us those life-saving medicines, and we need life-saving medicines for COVID-19. Dr. Wall, what would you like to leave with our audience before I have to let you go? 
I think this is great, Paul, that we're paying attention to this, that we're spreading the word. Like you said, you had not heard about this before. Now everyone who's listening to you right now has heard about it. So there is an effort to get treatment available for COVID-19. Rise Above COVID is one way to do it. Combat COVID is part of that. So Combat COVID, Rise Above COVID, these are the on-ramps. This is how you can hear about it. Spread the word. We've got to find treatment and we can do it together. So thank you. Well, when you get it, make sure you get back to us and let us know. We'll be happy to have you on Absolutely. again. I would love to talk about our successes and there will be successes. Once again, thanks to Dr. David Wohl, the infectious disease expert at the University of North Carolina and that website, combatcovid.hhs.gov. Safety, a good thing to think about anytime. Of course, you'd think about it if you were operating those huge caterpillar machines on the side of the road. But how much do you consider safety when you're doing something, even just painting a window around your house? I now have the opportunity to introduce you to the business development manager, Justin Ganchow of Caterpillar Safety Services. He says the same workplace safety tips that they use on the job site with those really big machines can work just as well for you at home. And if you would like to find out more, you can always contact them at cat.com slash safety at home. Now, here's Justin Ganchow to give us some good safety information. It is National Safety Month, and who better than to find out about safety than somebody who deals with those really big machines? Those caterpillars are huge. They are, and safety is my favorite topic. So thanks so much for having me on. So what would you say to someone who is, and again, you know, it's the summertime and we're starting to get back into doing things. And one of the things that a lot of times we like to do is do things for ourselves. So when you're thinking about safety, sometimes it kind of goes behind, I have to get it done and I have to get it done now. So if we are going to be doing things around the house, what would you suggest? Well, that's absolutely right. And you may think that most injuries happen on the job, but according to the National Safety Council, 90% of all medically consulted injuries actually occur off the job. And summertime is a time where we're spending more time outside. Maybe we're tackling that home improvement project with tools that we're not used to using every day, or we're traveling to an environment that we're not familiar with. It's different from where we live at home. And so safety needs to be part of your mindset all the time, but especially in the summer when we're doing things we're not familiar with. And thank goodness we're all coming out of uh, hibernation from the pandemic and getting back out there. So it's about cultivating that safety mindset and then putting it into practice with safety activities, just like our customers do on their job site. What do they do on the job site when you talk about safety? Because again, you're talking about going in and whether it's a big job, little job, sitting down, you're you're kind of ingrained into doing the same thing day after day after day. So how do you remember that safety is most important? That is an excellent point. And the safest organizations are the ones that have made safety everybody's job with accountability, things that they're doing on a day-to-day basis so that it doesn't become, let's, let's get the job done at all costs and safety is secondary. 
And one thing that those contractors or those customers do, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, is a safety briefing at the top of every shift. So you get everyone together that's going to be involved in that task for the day uh, or that job, and they think through what are what are we doing today? What are all the potential risks and hazards associated? And then who's going to be responsible for mitigating those risks so that we don't get hurt? And then we can share the lessons learned from the, the prior shift so that uh, we get smarter and smarter, and it doesn't just go by the wayside. And you can do the same thing at home. A safety briefing is some something that you can do to bring safety home and ingrain it in your own safety culture. So maybe even as far as safety, a safety briefing at home might be something as simple as an adult who's getting ready to mow the lawn to talk about it in front of the kids and explain why it's a good idea to wear the proper shoes, the proper eye covering, as simple as things as that? It sounds like you might be a safety professional yourself. (laughs) That's exactly right. It's starting by setting that example. It's defining those expectations for your children. This is how we're going to mow the lawn. This is how we're going to use this tool, the lawnmower. And this is how we're going to do it safely. So thinking through what are all of the associated hazards, the blade, the motor that could be hot, right? Where to stand? How do you turn it off in an emergency? How do you go forward? How do you go backward? It's giving them the training on how to use that safely. It's fitting them with all the right protective equipment. So in the lawnmower, it'd be closed-toed shoes. It'd be wearing eye protection, wearing ear protection. And the last step is planning for emergencies. So does someone know where you are, what you're doing? If something bad happens, who do we call? Who's going to be responsible for making that phone call? Do your kids know your address if they have to make the call so we get emergency services on the scene? We've actually put together that four-step process, uh, and it's on a website that your listeners can go out and check out. It's cat.com slash safety at home. So how to do a safety briefing, how to talk to your kids about safety, and how to cultivate that safety mindset at home out there on that website. All right. Well, now, Justin, I'm going to throw this one in your court. So mowing the lawn is probably small peanuts compared to being on a huge job site with great big equipment. So you would think that those folks are saying, okay, I have to be careful because I have this really big equipment. So you've got the person at home saying, oh, it's just a little lawnmower. And one of my favorite phrases, Justin, it's never going to happen to me. Now what do we do? Right. We have that 10 feet tall and bulletproof mentality, some of us do. And if you've been mowing the lawn for your whole life and nothing bad has ever happened, sometimes we go on autopilot. But the hazards are just as serious as they were the first time you ever started up the mower. So it's essential that we're always keeping that safety mindset so that it doesn't just become autopilot because we're we're working right within a few feet of something that could be really dangerous to us. And even, so yes, the contractors, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and even when we're talking about a lot of the things, um, we're kind of alluding to the fact that we're dealing with equipment, but even painting could be a hazardous thing. Yeah. Falls from heights are one of the number one injuries both on and off the job. And it may be, it may be it's a surprise, but in 2019, there were over 800,000 injuries off the job. 
800,000 in the United States, and that's according to the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, uh, and 300,000 of those were from doing yard work. So we might think that it's a lot more unsafe on a construction site that you can get injured just as easily or more easily in your own backyard. Thank you, Justin. You have just saved me an entire weekend of work. It's too dangerous for me to do, so I guess I can't do it anymore. So before we have to let you go, what would you say if we were going to have to make a safety, let's call it a safety box, where we go in every time we're going to do something and bring something out that reminds us to be safe? What would you put in that safety box? Great question. Uh, And we actually have some links uh, on how to put together that preparedness kit out on that website. But I would I would keep in my safety kit things that are going to keep us safe in most situations. So it's, it's things like having a good pair of sturdy safety glasses, hearing protection, because if we're using tools, saws, uh, we want to keep our ears safe, our hearing safe, because that once it's gone, it's not going to come back. Uh, it's, it's, uh, a lot of people keep a kit in their car. I do the same thing. So I have a reflective vest in my car, jumper cables. Uh, you can keep flares in there. Just, Thinking ahead, what are all those potential situations we could get in and what's the gear that we're going to need? So that website, once again, to go out and make that kit for yourself is cat.com slash safety at home. You can also find a link there to get in touch with me and my team if we can help make your job site, your business safer. Thanks once again to Justin and all our guests this weekend on Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 